welcome to How Fitting, the podcast for fashion designers and entrepreneurs about creating clothing and growing a business that fits your customer, lifestyle, and values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Before we get started, do you want to get your designs to production without compromising your brand's fit, vision, or values? My pattern making services are tailored to help women's wear slow fashion brands do just that. You can learn more and book a free introduction call at howfittingpatterns.com to see if we'd be a good fit to work together. Now on to the episode. Today I'm joined by Kristen Anderson, who's the founder and CEO of the design agency, Kristen Anderson, as well as the founder of the lingerie brand Iteration. So welcome to the show, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me, Allison. It's so great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you and hear more about your your story and everything that's going on. Um, me too. Yeah. For those listening who are just meeting you for the first time, though, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. I am a fashion designer with about 14 years of experience designing women's intimates and lingerie, uh, lingerie and swimwear, rather. And I have been running my own design agency for sustainable fashion brands for about five years now. Uh, I'm also working on creating my own brand called Iteration, and we are still in the pre-launch phase as of right now, but we did just place our first PO at the beginning of December, so we're looking forward to a launch next year. Well, congrats on that. It's a big step. Yeah, I'm really excited for it. It feels like it's taken forever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I do want to ask more about kind of the process of things, but first, like, how did you get into fashion? Like, what what is your background? How do you get into what you're doing now? Oh, that's such an interesting uh, question. So i I had always been into fashion as a young girl. Like, I was when I was nine years old. I actually knelt on a sewing needle because I was making Barbie clothes. It was a big <laughs> thing, but yeah, not not the most fun way to tap into fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I loved making Barbie clothes. I loved sewing. Um, my mom had this really janky uh sewing machine that just like barely ran and I can like still remember the smell of it when it runs like those old sewing machines they Mm -hmm. just have this like very powerful like antique smell yeah like Um, the oil and the motor set like yeah yeah. dusty motor fan yeah it it, and it just like never ran right so Mm -hmm. when I was like 16 I had my first babysitting job and after I got my first paycheck, I went to Walmart and I actually bought a, a new sewing machine, a, a brother sewing machine, and I bought some fabric and I like taught myself how to sew on that sewing machine. And I sort of just loved it. And so I spent like all summer long just making stuff for myself to wear. I was also, um, you know, I, at the time I was actually plus sized and I was struggling to find cute clothes that I liked. Um, this was like, you know, 15, more than 15 years ago, 19 years ago, something like that. And so, you know, back then my options were very slim Mm -hmm. and I, my mom had, would take me to like Lane Bryant and it was like this really mature brand. And it felt like I was like a a 16 year old businesswoman when I would go (laughs) in there and try to shop. So I hated it. And I also, you know, really wanted to wear cute things that I felt like myself in. So I spent all summer making myself clothes, um, mostly skirts to start with, because they seemed like kind of easy. And I had like so many skirts. Mm -hmm. Um, I also did like t-shirt renovations and just tried my best to like find a way to make things that felt like me. 
And so I loved it so much. My whole senior year of high school, I made a new skirt like every day for the first three months of school. Mm -hmm. I never wore pants that year. (laughs) I was known as skirt girl. Um, And like even the the like home economics teacher was my homeroom teacher and she would like catch me in the hallway sometimes and like pull me into her class and be like, Hey, look at what Kristen made. <laughs> um, so like, I, I really loved that. And I found that I liked fashion so much, but it was like kind of late in my um, high school years. So I didn't really know what to do. I didn't have time to build a portfolio. I, I think it was my summer between junior and senior year that that happened. So in senior year, I was like really involved in wearing all of my stuff, but I didn't have a portfolio or anything and I didn't know what to do. I thought I was going to take a year off college and my guidance counselor, he like pretty much demanded that I apply to a college <laughs> and he, he found a, a school in Massachusetts that had this reciprocal agreement with Connecticut. So I could go to this school in Massachusetts for in-state tuition because there were no schools in Connecticut that actually had a fashion degree program. And so he had me apply. I got in and my mom and I toured the campus. It was Framingham State University. And I just like loved it. It was so cute. It was like very um, suburbia kind of college. It wasn't like overwhelming. It was very a tight knit campus. And it was like really fashion oriented when it came to their program. Like, you know, it was just a really good school for me to go check out. And I was just really excited when we went there. So I ended up enrolling in their uh, fashion program and I stayed for all four years. Eventually I thought at at some point I thought I would maybe, you know, switch to FIT, but I just, I loved my friends there and I loved the school and I loved the environment. So I just, I, you know, I stayed there the whole time and I I was really glad to do so. Nice. Yeah, cool. So then once you graduated, like you worked in-house for different brands, right? Like in in the lingerie where you're in the lingerie and swim space even in kind of your job after college yeah so um my job after college um I graduated in 2009 which was kind of a hard time Mm -hmm. right (laughs) after the the financial collapse um and I it took me a while to get my first job out of fashion actually so I ended up being working at a consignment store and I was a consignment store manager for like the first year after I graduated and then I had this friend that I had graduated or that I had went to school with. She graduated a year later than me and she got this job at this company called Bennett & Co, which is a private label manufacturer for women's intimates. And she let me know that they were looking for another design assistant. I applied. I, you know, drove up really early one morning because it was like a two and a half hour drive from my house. I like got up at the, the crack of dawn drove up, had an interview, stayed for like half a day. And then they offered me the job before I left, which was kind of crazy. So I, yeah, it was, it was very cool to to just know that you kind of nailed it on the first go. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had a hard decision to make though, because that job was like very low paying compared to where I was with the store management role. Cause you know, I was the store manager, so I, I had a higher hourly rate. And then I also had like a lot of overtime that I was doing at the time. So I had a hard decision to make. I like ultimately took like, I don't know, like a 50% pay cut by leaving. Mm. And yeah, it was, it was scary. I can't, I can't even believe that I, I took it. It was like $23,000 a year. I'm like, how, how can I pay? How can people pay that for, yeah. for people's work? It was horrible. But um, 
anyway, my mom basically made me take it. She was like, you got offered the job when you were there. Like you have to take it. This is how you're going to get into your, your field. You know, I want you to try and, and I'll help you and support you if I can. And so luckily, you know, I, I made it work and I worked at Bennett and company for about two years, I think. Um, and I started as a design assistant. All we worked on was like lingerie and intimates, swimwear, that kind of thing. Um, so I worked under this, a senior designer, her name was Reagan. She was awesome. Best boss I, I could have had for, you know, just starting up. She was really cool and she had a lot of accounts. She worked on a lot of things. So I got to try my hand in just about everything. Um, and then Reagan actually left and went to Puma about eight months into my tenure there. And so I basically took on every account that Reagan had after that. And so I was moved from an assistant, a design assistant to an associate designer really quickly. Um, and then mm. I just, I, I got my own accounts too. So I got um, like extra accounts be right before she left. I, I had gotten Lane Bryant and Catherine's. Um, and so I was working on those right before she left. And then when she left, I absorbed hers. Um, and then, yeah, I was there for a little while. And then they hit some rocky times when Fredericks of Hollywood went bankrupt mm. and I was let go. Um, that was kind of like a not fun learning experience, but it was my first foray into freelancing. So it was kind of like an interesting take to have the the back then view of what freelancing was like and mm -hmm. kind of what the now view is. Um, yeah, but it was a very good place to start. There was a lot of learning opportunities. I feel like I grew really quickly because of so many, having my hand in so many accounts and working and juggling so many hats, mm -hmm. but I'm really grateful that I got to start there. Yeah, that's so cool. I feel like you have like such a unique perspective because you're so focused on in like the niche of intimates and swim lingerie, um, which is like highly, like highly skilled area, you know, um, not easy to do. And yet you have the perspective of like working in-house for all these like well-known big brands, um, working on their accounts. And then you have the perspective from like the freelance side, as well as now with your own brand. So I'm curious, like, how is it what are what do you like like or dislike about each of those and maybe some of the things that you've kind of picked up from or that the differences between the three for you? Sure, yeah. Um well another another job I had that was probably really like career defining, I would say, is that I worked as I was one of the first designers hired at Adormy. So it was just me and the head of design for about two and a half years before we hired anybody else to to join our small mighty team. Um, and I think one of the things I loved about that was like, I loved the startup culture. I loved the beginning parts of building a brand. I loved the creation process and how it wasn't all, all like fully fleshed out. Um, in contrast, you know, when I was working as a private label designer, for like Lane Bryant, they they were such a well-established brand already. They had so much that, you know, they their vision was very much like clear to them and they would, you know, bring us in every quarter for like a color and concept meeting and we get to see what their boards looked like. And so when you go to the the Lane Bryant color and concept, you know, you're you're stepping into that as like the outsider who is getting a taste of what they're doing. And then when you're on the other side of things, you're the one creating that color and concept and you're creating the vision 
that other people have to step into. So that's been really cool. Just being on both sides of that and getting to see what it's like for, you know, the designers in, in the private label role and the designers in the brand role. And then as far as building your own business goes, you have to be everything. You can't just be the designer. You have to be the CEO. You have to be the <laughs> operations person. You have to be, uh, you know, social media management, everything there is to be. Um, so I would say, you know, in contrast, you know, building your own brand is, it's like, it's hard to describe. It's, it's its own labor of love. In some ways it feels more empowering and sometimes it also feels way more scary because it's like you know you're you're the one doing everything so if you don't know how to do something Mm -hmm. you kind of like close your eyes and hope that you're you're doing the best thing you can um but it's also very fulfilling because like when you succeed or or even if you don't succeed when you learn something you're like wow I mean there, there was something that I didn't know there. And, you know, one way or another, I'm going to figure it out. I figured it out up until now, and I will continue to figure it out. And nothing is going to like, shake you to your core so much that, you know, you can't get through. So it gives you a lot more confidence in your abilities, I think, when you have all those roles you kind of have to fall into. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't do all of them alone, because I have a team. Um, but it's, it's very fulfilling to have to rise to the occasion yeah yeah I bet you seem like a like a very driven person in like your career regardless of what role you're in <laughs> to like learn and make the most of of the situation and um yeah take on new responsibilities yeah I mean I love learning I think it's like the key to life basically never be done learning just mm-hmm. always know that you've got something else to get from that situation there's a quote that I really love. It's called, it, it goes, I, I never lose. I, I win or I learn. And, Mm. uh, I think that that is how you have to think about it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's that's a great, that's a great way to look at it. Mm -hmm. Um, so what made you decide to like full-time kind of start your, your agency and then also start this brand too? Well, that's also kind of an interesting story. I, when I first, so I was at a dormy for about three years and then I decided I wanted to leave and I wanted to go start my own brand at that time. And that was in December of 2016. And I left, but I left to another full-time job where I was at Swim USA, where I was designing for Target. Um, I was the lead designer for a brand that was yet to be born called Kona Soul. Mm-hmm. And that's like the women's um Missy swimmer brand for Target. Mm-hmm. And so I went there because I wanted some more work-life balance. Startups are notoriously hard on your your schedule. They mm-hmm. want you there all the time. And my dormy was no exception. Um, so I quit and left to go to Swim USA thinking I'd have more time, more work-life balance. Um, I started a company called Fearless there. It did not actually ever pan out into a product that people could buy like it was you know a labor of love again but it was two and a half years of me trying and trying and trying and then I just at some point I kind of both fell out out of love with the idea and I also decided it just felt like I needed to move on I was doing it all by myself I was really stuck in my own head Um, I really really wanted a co-founder and I really wanted 
someone to help me with it. And I like just couldn't find anybody that was passionate about the idea like I was. Mm-hmm. Um, so is this it, a label that you were like, developing for Target that, or was this something you were doing on the side while you were still at Swim USA? Yeah. Okay. This was a side project while gotcha. I was at Swim USA. So I like, you know, I worked on it on the weekends and nights and mm-hmm. whenever I could. Um, and it was originally, it was like a, I was trying to build a bra that I really wanted, which is like a bra that kind of contains your back fat a little bit more than a normal bra. Cause I have really soft tissue and a lot of squish on my like underarm and outside back area. Mm-hmm. And so I, I mean, was trying a lot to of women, create this. A lot of women yeah. like, do. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I just thought, you know, I really want this. So I, I, that was the bra I was, I was building at the time. And I think, um, it just, it just took so long and I like struggled with the factory a lot. And I, I just kind of ran out of money, ran out of the interest in, on some level. Like I just felt like, um, I wasn't ready yet. Like I felt like I still had more to learn and I, I just like was struggling a lot. So I ended up getting into this, um, program with U- UBS and it was also run by uh, Rent the Runway and it was like a four or five, a three or four day program. And I met a few people there and one of them was my friend Alina and Alina um, was starting a hosiery company and she kind of said to me one day, you know, I was, I was helping her with like trend reports and showing her like how she could, you know, look forward into the future and kind of predict where things were going so that she could, you know, better merchandise her site and stuff. And she like looked at me and said, why don't you try and do this for other people? I know you're struggling right now for yourself, but you're so good at it and with other people. And like, why don't you just try and do that for a little while? And so that's kind of what happened. I like, I pivoted into the idea of like, yeah, you're right. I should take what I'm good at and do it for other people and help the the founders who need this kind of help because I live in my own head so much. And I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of founders out there who are not fashion designers who mm-hmm. probably could use the help of a fashion designer so that they can take that work off their plate and they can focus on what they're good at, like social media or marketing or operations, whatever it is, you know? Mm-hmm. So that, that was basically at the end of 2018. And in January of 2019, I, I got my first freelance gig working with, um, a menstrual cup company helping them design and vision envision their first line of period panties mm-hmm. and the rest is kind of history I just you know I kept going I kept finding clients and by July of 2019 I I was able to leave my full-time job at Swim USA and it was you know full-on agency time well yeah so you you've like had so many you've kind of seen all sides of the fashion industry, um, you know, from different perspectives, it seems like. And um, I'm curious, you mentioned, like, how you're like getting in your own head when it comes to your own brand, but they are really good at helping other founders kind of sort out what they needed to do for design or trend forecasting or development. Um how how is it different? Like, do you see a kind of other differences, or what's kind of the ease of when you're doing it for yourself versus when you're helping someone else do it? Like, are there more things where is it like is it almost harder to do it for yourself and easier to like bring your expertise to an, another brand, or is it harder to help other people because you are closer to the things that are 
your your own you know development and your own brand you know i think it's always helper more helpful and more easy for me to step into somebody else's stuff and help them because it's just like the uh the weight of it doesn't feel as heavy it's it's mm. a little bit easier to see from like a far up top level view whereas like in your own business i think and I think a lot of founders struggle with this, but like when you're making decisions, there's like, you come to every crossroad and you feel like there's a right decision there and, mm -hmm. and you don't know what the right decision is, but you want to make the right decision. And like, in, in reality, I can actually separate it a lot more easily for other people because I know there isn't actually a right decision and whatever decision we make, that's the right decision actually, because we made a decision and the most important part is actually just making the decision as opposed to like sitting there stewing endlessly wondering which decision is the right one, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it's so much easier to see it for other people, especially because you, you just don't have as much skin in the game. Whereas, you know, when it's your own business, your own brand, you just, you feel like every decision has a right and a wrong path. And you know, you could tell yourself it doesn't. And I mean, I've gotten a lot better at it over the years telling myself it doesn't, you know, mm -hmm. I, any decision is better than no decision. So I think that's definitely how I feel now. But, you know, every day is a is a battle with that, that idea that like, good versus perfect. <laughs> but it's a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And I, I totally agree with you. It's sometimes hard, especially if you're like the only one in your business, like you're the only founder, there isn't a co-founder or a team yet. Um, mm -hmm. Like you're so close to it. And it's, you know, it, you have this conversation in your head where you like can't get beyond your own perspective versus, yeah, when you have somebody a little bit more on the outside who's not so close to it, but like give it that objective, objective look. Um, it can be easier to kind of see, okay, the impacts of either, like, maybe both decisions could be right, just which one is more aligned with, you know, what you want to do. Um, or maybe there is a clear decision and somebody else can see that um, easier. Yeah, it, yeah, it definitely helps now that I have a team. And we also have like a community of women that are helping create our product. So it's not me living in my own head anymore 24 7 mm -hmm. yeah so talk a little bit more about that because I was I was reading on the iteration site about how it's it's kind of a co-created product so um you you had started that fearless line and then kind of got burnt out on that and didn't start it so what kind of prompted you to start up this new brand iteration and what were the things that you you kind of did differently like what's the DNA of this this brand yeah I mean I think that at the end of the day, I I created it because I I had been in the industry for a while and I had felt like I was not really being heard in a lot of ways. I mm -hmm. I was designing things that I didn't even necessarily want myself, and I felt like you know I am a customer, somebody's customer, and mm -hmm. um, you know when I would propose certain things, sometimes they would get shot down, and and I just felt like you know, good ideas, they come from all over the place. They come from all directions, top down, bottom up, you know, it's, it's middle out, like whatever it is, like there are good ideas everywhere. And collaboration is really the key to everything that is good in life. And so I wanted to involve the customer in the process because 
number one, I think fashion is cool and it's an exciting process to understand and to like tap into. And I think a lot of fashion brands kind of ignore the customer at the end of the day. We, we think we know best and we want to just, you know, design and, and tell them what they should want as opposed to like pulling it out of them and, and making sure that what we're creating aligns with their needs. And so I really wanted to create something that was not just me being a voice and telling them what you should want. I wanted to create something that they did want and not just what they thought they wanted, but what they truly wanted. And so, you know, while you would involve them in the process, there's a lot of things we've uncovered and we've tried to, you know, design better so that, you know, we're, we're paying attention to these, these things that they're telling us. We're not just ignoring what the, vo- the voice of the customer, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're really tapping into their true feelings and, and giving them an insight on what it's like. And, you know, they're kind of our quasi designers in some ways, like they, they share a lot of ideas and opinions and we try to incorporate them. And I mean, I'm sure we're not, you know, doing it a hundred percent because you ultimately have to make decisions mm-hmm. as a business and, and you and can't, whatnot, please, like you at the can't end, please everybody too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't please everybody. So there are times, you know, where we're just between two hard decisions and sometimes neither one is great, <laughs> but at the same time, it's like a really nice um, option to like kind of go back and bounce something off of our community and say like, Hey, this is what we're thinking about. Um, you know, what do you guys think? How do you feel about this idea? And like mm-hmm. at the end of um, November, we had like our first town hall <laughs> and uh, we had several, many people come actually more than we expected. And, you know, we, we kind of laid down the new plan because we have also been working on this like really exceptionally interesting, uh, difficult bra frame that is like 3D printed. Okay. And it's, yeah, it's it's patent pending. We filed our official patent paperwork at the end of or in the middle of November, but like it's very difficult. It's not going to be the first product we launch. It's just you know there's a lot more that still has to go for that. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, like you know we've been doing this for three years, and we want to get something out there, and we want to share something with our community because you know there's a lot of things that are kind of in a place of ready to go, kind of and there's a spectrum of support that we're building. So from, you know, moderate support to like a more full support, there's, there's a lot of things we, we plan to offer in the arrangement at some point. So we told them, you know, that we were thinking about launching a product without this frame inside it. We were going to launch the underwear probably too. We wanted to see what people said and what they thought. And ultimately it was really great to hear from them because they, they were really supportive of, of the way we were going about it. And, for a while we were worried that they were going to be really sad that we didn't have this frame ready but you know we're a small business we're self-funding we don't have any investors at this time mm-hmm. and we are trying really hard to do something that is incredibly difficult but also very worthwhile too because you know what we've created so far with with what we've patented it's just it's really cool it's just not fully there yet and i like we want to get it there and we want to make sure it's good and we also want to survive to getting it to that point, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just, it's a struggle and a balance between, you know, talking to people and making sure that we're hearing them and making sure that we're listening to what they're telling us and also like trying to continue to exist as a business. 
Yeah. And I love that you're kind of taking this like customer first approach where I, I, I feel like it's, it's good from so many angles. Like you're creating a product that you know people will really want to buy and wear. Um, and it helps. I mean, I'm always thinking about this from like a pattern maker's perspective of, you know, like the fit will be way better when you know who you're trying to fit, um, Mm hmm what their pain points are with how things generally fit them. Um, as well as, you, For sure. you know, like you said, just being able to keep the business going, you need to know like, okay, what are the products that are worth investing in now? Um, what are the colors that people are wanting? Like what, yeah, what are people actually going to buy <laughs> that we can afford to make and, and sell? Um, as well as uh, from a sustainability angle of you're not just creating product for the sake of creating more stuff, like you're actually figuring out, okay, what's going to solve the problem the best. Um, so I really, I really love that. Oh, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm curious what, what are some of the, if, if you're okay sharing, um, some of the like most common pain points with lingerie that people have shared um, as you're getting this feedback. All right. Well, some people, I mean, a lot of people don't, don't want to see their, their darts or seams on their cups. So they want a totally smooth cup as much as possible. Um, We've heard both that nipples don't matter and nipples are okay from people. But like, I mean, Kim Kardashian just launched this like nipple bra. So it's I kind saw of funny. Uh, yeah, it's so funny. Um, but like, there's, there's a good, good majority of people that don't want their nipples to show. So that's a big pain point for a lot of women. Um, straps that are too skinny or straps that are like hard edged and like, like, you know, jagged, like razor blades that like cut your shoulders almost, um, you know, hook and eyes that are like scratch your back and cause like pain, like things that like, they don't like have long enough padding or they don't have any padding at all. And, and the padding is like rough. Um, people really don't like when they're, they're like bottom bands fold. Sometimes they like collapse and fold underneath Mm. your, your tissue. Um, they, they, They really don't like when a lot of their, um, you know, armpit kind of area is, is free flowing. They want that kind of contained more into their bras. Um, they want support that's comfortable. They don't want wires jabbing them. They, they want to feel like they're in something that like they forget they're wearing. Um, they're tired of the wires breaking in their bras and stabbing them. <laughs> um, I know I'm, I'm tired of that. Um, Mm hmm <laughs> Yeah. Or the hooks I feel always like there's get caught on stuff in the laundry and like oh yes tear that's things. <laughs> yep yep they also really like want a, a cute front closure bra there's adjustability like things front front adjusters is really important for a lot of people because mobility can be difficult um you know having it in colors that aren't like gray nude it's like this weird shade of you know grayish wall color it's like I want something that makes me feel pretty too <laughs> um but you also have to have it in black <laughs> um I just I feel like the list is like endless oh fibers obviously I feel like I can't believe I forgot fibers like I personally and I, I know there's a lot of women that feel this way but I I'm so I'm so sick of plastic fabric bras like Mm -hmm. yes I would love bras that aren't made out of 
polyester and nylon like that would feel really nice to me they get so gnarly and sweaty and smelly and yeah they just it feels like plastic on your body you know it does I have one that's like a it's it's there's no underwire but I've never really experienced the like super like sweaty feeling under a bra but this particular one must not be breathable at all whatsoever because even in the winter if I wear that I'm like why does this feel like I'm in like a damp plastic bag you know Ugh, <laughs> like yeah, it's the yeah, worst nobody wants that oh yeah it's so and it's so hard it's like I feel like uh yeah lingerie is and and underwear it's so hard to find natural fibers especially for a, a bra or you know just like something breathable they're all either like yeah. mesh or nylon or polyester. Yes, it is. It's crazy. It's just so much of our clothing is made out of polyester and nylon. And I mean, I get a lot of reasoning behind like making swimwear out of it because swimwear has like unique purpose. It, mm-hmm. It's got to go in chlorine sometimes and mm-hmm. you need something that holds up to that. But like our underwear is like right up against our bodies and we wear it for hours and hours and hours Mm -hmm. on end. So it's like, to me, that just feels like a a really big miss to like make it out of the worst polyester, you know, (laughs) like, like, can we put something nicer on our bodies that feels like breathable at least? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm totally with you on that one. (laughs) (laughs) So have you been able to solve some of these with, your with the products you're coming out now or the ones you're working on in the pipeline yeah I mean I think so I think uh we've we've tried our best to solve as much as we could in this like first generation of products um so we placed our first purchase order for underwear but we haven't placed the order for bras quite yet we're we're holding off and trying to make sure we we've got a few more of those problems solved hopefully we'll be placing that in about a month or so but yeah I mean I think we've we've got a lot of good things coming. I feel like generally speaking, I feel like our, our bras are very comfortable. The material is really great. Um, we have nice quality elastics that are just super comfortable. They have, you know, reduced stretch, but they, but they have really soft edges and they have, um, a lot of our elastics, if not all of them are made out of uh, a unique spandex material that it's not quite like spandex. It's it's like spandex, but it it also has this um, stop resistance to it. So it like stretches to the point where it needs you just you need it to stretch, and then it stops, and it like mm-hmm. kind of holds itself there. Mm-hmm. Um, so more and like actually more a little bit more compression instead of just like endlessly like more support. Then yeah, yeah, it's um it, it's weird, and it like it has better recovery too. It's it's used in several brands use it and they actually just don't talk about it, which I think is really funny, but, um, it, it, it's just got this really nice quality to it. And it, it feels like it meets you where you are in Mm -hmm. a way. Like it just, it stretches enough to to what you need and, and not a, another, you know, inch more. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. My sister is really full busted. I'm, I'm pretty full busted. I usually wear like a 34 triple D. My sister also wears like a, a triple D slash G sometimes. And she is really tough to please. And I've, I've gotten her in some of our samples and she's really enjoyed them. So I'm, I'm hopeful that, uh, and, and we've tested on a lot of other people too, but 
I think my sister is probably our hardest critic. <laughs> yeah, um, I yeah, I feel like sometimes family too can like she'll give you the honest feedback. She's not going to sugarcoat it because yes. like she knows you well enough to be like, nope, fix this is not is not working. A hundred percent, yes. She is she is not afraid of telling me her honest opinion. So I'm very grateful for that. But um, also happy that like it seems like we're on the up and up and and we're getting there and. I, I can't wait to launch a bra that I, I really want to wear these and like have more so that I can buy them myself mm-hmm. and our, our whole team is like eagerly awaiting the undies too we're all talking about how we really need new undies and we just want ours to come out so that we can get some new pairs from us mm-hmm. um so I'm, I'm excited for that cool yeah definitely um keep tabs on things and put put a link in the show notes of where people can uh find out all the updates and when they when they launch oh for sure can't wait (laughs) so what is inspiring you lately both kind of on the design side but even just like on the business side like how do you how do you stay inspired um I think honestly my my biggest answer is the same answer for both and I think it's clo 3d I Mm. like am such a geek for Clo. I just, I love seeing what is technology is capable of and I love learning. And I think Clo has given me so much insight this year on like where the industry is going and how to bring to life what inspires you and do it in a way that is like smart and sustainable. And like, I love that we don't have to like cut a piece of fabric out or stitch a single sample to see sort of like what this is going to look like Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. It's like my favorite tool. Um, I've been using it with my team for about three years now. And when I say using it with my team, I mean like, you know, we'll go on zoom calls and I'll, they'll open a pattern and work in it, sharing their screen and I'll kind of guide them through helping how we're going to like fix the pattern and make corrections and stuff. But like this summer, I actually you know, took a course and learned it myself. And so now I can like tool around in there and, and I'm just like, I'm so amazed at the capabilities of it. And I think, you know, it's really the future of, of both my business and also like the industry at large. And I just think it's so exciting to have this technology when, when all we had before was like illustrator and you've, Mm -hmm. you've got like photos and you've got to like, you know, take a picture of the garment and draw on it and tell them, you know, how to make the correction of the pattern. And there's so much more ownership that we have now. And we can like really lead the way and and show our factories how we want things to be changed and, and kind of just leverage the best of technology to do it. And it's just, it's amazing. It makes me so excited when I think about it. And, and I think everybody's going to be going there eventually. I think it's a little bit of a slow process, but mm-hmm. you know, we've invested a lot in that over the past year, especially. And I'm just, I'm, it just is so exciting to me to, to see that. Um, I mean, I'm also inspired a lot by my team, by travel, by, you know, looking out at what's out there and in the market and just coming back to it and saying, you know, like, how could this be, you know, what's the next level? What's, what, what can we do that's like this, but better? And, you know, new techniques, new construction methods, just anything that, you know, I can absorb, I'm, I'm pretty much on it. I am like always in, in our world and looking at websites and trying to 
you know, see what, what could be the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would say like hands down Chloe is like probably my biggest inspiration at this point right now in the year with all, all that we've done. We actually had, um, in October, we had a, a series that we did a four week workshop series on Chloe and it was called intimate conversations in Chloe. And it was so cool. We had like 80 people come to our, uh-huh. our first session and there, there was people from all over the world. Um, and they were just so excited about this technology and it was just so inspiring to us. And we're trying to figure out like, what are we going to do with it next? How are we going to incorporate this in 2024? And, and mm-hmm. how can we like keep talking to these people? Because it, it was just so cool to have such an energized, enthusiastic audience that, that was into this just like we are, you know? Yeah, Iclo is a really powerful tool and I've been working in it as well for the past, I don't know, a couple of years. And then I'd worked in Objectx 3D prior to that, which different software, but similar concept. Same idea. Yeah, of being able to visualize your garment before making a sample and check the fit. And um, I think it's also really powerful for like checking print scale and seeing colorways uh-huh. and just like the three like seeing and I bet this is really important with with intimates and swim seeing not just the front back side view of something like you might sketch up an illustrator but like seeing the three dimensions and how like the design of the front flows into the design of the back and then being able to visualize that same design on multiple sized bodies um, I think is really helpful to make sure that like, okay, the full size range still has the same design and look. I think it gives, you know, such a much greater control over the fit and the design just across the, across the board. It's really exciting. Absolutely. Like, I, I think one of my favorite things about it is exactly what you just said. It's like the ability to quickly and, you know, just instantly basically visualize your whole garment understand how the pieces go together looking at it like holistically and from like a top level view and saying like oh you know what this would look a little better if this design line was changed to this and then being able to do that so instantly and doing it like before you ever cut a sample and like before you ever make a tech bag even if you want like the ability to like make things so much more cohesive and and quickly, it's just incredible to me. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, that's exciting. So how many people are on your team now? And is your team just for the design agency side or are they all also working on iteration with you? Um, so I have four people on my Kristen Anderson design team. I have a technical designer. I have a 3D designer. I have a regular designer, like fashion mm-hmm. concept designer. And then I have a marketing manager, content manager. Um, and then on the, and they all kind of co-mingle into the other, into iteration um, when we need them. It's not like all the, not, not everybody's working on it all the time, but like we pull thing, people in when we need them um, and get, get everybody's opinion when we have, you know, major, you know, movement that we need to like come together for. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also on iteration, I also have my, my business partner, Bridget. So she's, um, you know, she's like your, your work, my work wife, I guess, <laughs> um, you know, like it's the other, like probably the biggest relationship I have besides my, my marriage is to her. So it's like really helpful that, you know, we get along really well and we are very good at balancing, uh, work because, you know, she's actually, 
much more operations focused and marketing at this point because she's very involved in our community and posting really regularly and and I'm much more product focused and like getting it out the door and making sure that like we have all the things we need on that side of things mm-hmm. um so Bridget and and me on iteration and then everybody kind of bobs and weaves in there and then the rest of the gang Jasmine Monica Trudy and Riley on Kristen Anderson mm, yeah it sounds like a great team and you've got kind of like experts in, in different different aspects of the process to be able to pull in. Yeah, it's it's really wonderful. I, I feel really grateful. And I, I also think that my team is just, they're, they're so great because, you know, everybody is really unique and different in the way that, you know, whatever they bring to the table, it's, it's them and them alone, pretty much. Like they have such great skills and we overlap nicely but we are very much our own like talent Mm -hmm. so like nobody is like an identical carbon copy of the other we are all very unique and and we also have our own unique styles which is really good because you know when you have five people contributing to something and you know all of you have this like instant gut feeling and you're like you know, I really like that. That's going to be really good. And we all have that. That's going to be a really good feeling. It's like, you know, it's going to be really good. You know, mm-hmm. it's a home run, you know, like you don't need to worry about that style. It's, it's a good one. Yeah. And you can double down on it more and, and bet on it better. Well, cool. um, so I wanted to touch on, I know we're getting close to time, but I wanted to touch on, I was reading on your blog Um, And there was a post about your time visiting your factory in Sri Lanka. And one of the things that you mentioned was that the direction is more important than the speed. And that kind of like caught my attention. And I kind of love that. So I'm curious, can you talk a little bit more about that? And like what prompted that like realization? Or is this like a way that you approach your business and design? Or yeah, just talk a little bit more about that. Um, I mean, I think the, the realization came that like, you know, you can travel quickly, but if you're going the wrong way, it doesn't really matter that much. Mm -hmm. And in, in light of a lot of our learnings there, like we, we went to visit a factory. Um, we had some issues there. Uh, you know, one of them being that the factory, you know, they, they were struggling but they, they weren't really as transparent about how much they were struggling until we got there. And then mm-hmm. like the first day we were there, we, we planned out our calendar, we did a TNA and then we had dinner at the founders, the factory founders house. And after dinner, he like suggested we go get a, a $2 million loan and mm-hmm. give the money to them because they needed working capital. And we're like instantly like hairs on your back go like, you mm-hmm. just get really nervous you're like mm-hmm. what this is this is a really strange thing for you to be asking us right now like we're here for one day and you're asking us to go get a like bankroll you with, with a loan like we we couldn't do that like mm-hmm. um so it just it gave us this like sense of of concern right away and I think um you know it it just it came with a realization that like this factory is is maybe not the right factory for us because you know I'm I'm worried that you know if they're having such kind of money concerns now like are they going to be able to are they still going to be in business in six months if we mm-hmm. if we go this route if we give them a deposit like 
it just it was really concerning and like the you know we played it out a little bit and we wanted to see how the rest of the trip went we fell really far off the calendar like nothing went as scheduled um the the founder of the factory was very like hot and cold and and he would like kind of be it was just really strange and it just by by the end of the trip we were pretty sure that like we we couldn't do business with them long term because we weren't sure of the outcome because mm-hmm. it was so you know not not consistent mm-hmm. and it, there it wasn't a dependable like communication and transparency no and it had yeah. been it had been good up until this point and it was a little bit of an expensive lesson to learn but it was also like well if we go this route with them are we going to be like on our like biting our nails for the entire you know four or five months that we're waiting on our product because we don't know what we're going to get here and is it better to like keep going with them just because we started going with them to get it fast or is it like better to you know pivot go to another factory try to do somebody else that we have a little bit more trust and faith in and go and take a little bit longer way around that because you know it it feels like when you're in a startup and you want to go, you just always want to go fast, no matter what, everybody wants mm-hmm. to go fast. But if you're going the wrong direction, fast doesn't matter. It yeah. just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. So did you end up finding a different factory then? Or how did that all kind of like pan out? Yeah, we did find another factory um, about two thirds of the way into the trip after many of the hot and cold sessions with the founder of the factory we started looking around for other factories that we could visit. Um, it probably would have been prudent for us to be looking at different factories from the get-go, but we were pretty we were pretty sure we wanted to use them when we first arrived. And and it, it wasn't really until, you know, after many weeks of falling off calendar and being like kind of pushed to the side that we were like realizing that we weren't gonna be a priority for this factory for a while. Um, so we did meet with a few and we found we found one close by that that has been really great and we are really excited about how they treat their workers how they you know pay their workers they're you know they're paying their workers significantly more than than the other factory was and they also like never let them go during covid um so like there's a lot of really good features of this factory especially and the founder of this factory is very very consistent um i'm really excited about how you know, interested he is in our product and in helping and making sure that, you know, everything goes smoothly and like he's on every call with us. So like, there's just, there's a lot more transparency that we've gotten from them and it just feels like a much better fit right now. So I'm, I'm really glad that we found them when we did, because it, it wasn't really clear where, which way we were going to go when we were leaving Sri Lanka, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, the right thing happened and, and we found the right factory and, you know, sometimes it, you feel like you learn expensive lessons, but mm-hmm. it was, it was a worthwhile one. Cause you know, it, it wouldn't have cost, I mean, it didn't cost nearly what our first production run would have cost. So at the end of the day, I, I count it as a lesson learned and it's okay. We will, we will make it up someday. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you have to learn as you go, even if you have years of experience and I, I feel like finding the factory that's the right fit in terms of pricing and their values and communication and um, you know MOQs and everything is one of the hardest steps of 
starting a brand is is finding kind of all those relationships that you're you know work now and that you can see kind of long term those continuing Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it all matters and you have to kind of look at the whole picture. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think here, you know, we found, found a factory that really works and I'm excited to see how it goes when we, you know, get our production and we get some sales and who knows, anything could happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I have one more question Kristen that I ask everyone at the end of the interview which is if you could communicate one value to the world through the clothes you design what would it be I think that everybody has worth and everybody has value. And I'm saying everybody, B-O-D-Y, not like, um, like, you know, we, we wrap as women, I feel like we wrap ourselves up in the way we look a lot, but your body is so important. And whether you're tall, short, fat, skinny, you know, the color of your skin, whatever it is, like everybody has inherent value that they bring to this planet and the earth and I think doing your best to understand that as young as you can like we we spend so much of our time being you know depressed about different things that we can't really control all that much and you know everybody is very worthy of feeling good about their, themselves and feeling good in their own skin and mm -hmm. I would love that for everyone because I know it took me a long time to feel that way about myself and I mean I still struggle with it but you know it is so important that we figure out a way to to understand that for ourselves and and not let the way we look define our lives in a negative way Mm -hmm. so true yeah and I feel like you know intimates and and kind of those garments swim underwear that are like closest to the body um reflect a lot of you know those either pain points or confidence and self-worth too and so I, I I can see how your your niche in that can really tie into the work of like making everybody feel like they're they're worthy of something special yeah yeah absolutely Awesome. Well, this has been so fun, Kristen. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, where can people find out more about you online and um, stay up to date about the iteration launch? For iteration updates, you can go to www.iterationera.com. And for uh, Kristen Anderson updates, it's www.kndrsn.com. Uh, wow. I don't know how to say my own domain. <laughs> we'll um, put a link in the show notes so we will can click through as yeah, well. <laughs> for sure. Thank you very much. Um, and thank you for having me. It was so fun talking to you again and catching up. And yeah, yeah I, I look forward to catching up again soon. Sounds good. Yeah. Thank you so much and have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You too, Allison. Thanks. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. If you'd like more episodes and resources like this about growing a fashion business that fits your customer, lifestyle, and values, send straight to your inbox. You can sign up for my email list at howfittingpatterns.com newsletter. Again, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me again for the next episode of How Fitting.